You're listening to episode 177 of the 360 Vegas podcast. Check out the blog at 360vegaspodcast.com or send us an email at 360vegaspodcast at gmail.com. You can support the show when you shop at Amazon. Simply go to the blog, click on the Amazon banner, and go about your shopping. It's that easy to give us money without giving us money. Day after tomorrow, gentlemen, we'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. The pool's the casino. Big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Bellagio. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesars Palace, is it? I want to gamble. They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The Strip is just the most amazing stretch of road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. I felt it was important. While while it was very popular, and, and I thoroughly, clearly we enjoyed ourselves recording it, and, and I enjoyed uh, doing some editing to it. I, I enjoyed some of the editing to it. But uh, I, I felt it was important. For those who don't already, and I'm sure a significant portion of the people that listen to the show also listen to to the Vice Lounge online, but for those of you that don't, to, to give a, a proper a, a proper sample of, of Tony uh, this time, just just a, a few drinks less. Uh, 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 quite a few drinks less, actually. <laughs> I would I dare say probably a barrel full of alcohol less. That was hilarious. Where you're like, I don't even remember recording with you. I have no- <laughs> nothing. <laughs> like yes! nothing. It, it was so awesome, Mark. It was as fresh and new to me as it was to your listeners. <laughs> ah, good times. Good times. It was. It was. So, so alas, I am sitting here now with a scant one finger of Johnny Walker Green Label which for your listeners that are scotch aficionados will appreciate the fact that Johnny Walker doesn't make the green label anymore. So I save this for oh. very important parts of my life. Oh, That's right. That's right, sir. That's how important I am. That's right. I'm going to be floating on a cloud the rest of the week. <laughs> like it's green label, it's like bitches. Having... Green label. All right? They don't even make it. <laughs> they don't even make it anymore. He only breaks it out for, you know, right. birth of someone else's child. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if you will, I break it out every 30 days, if you know what I mean. Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, we're celebrating. We are celebrating. Great. Yes. It's really more of an accomplishment, let's be honest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Whew, dodged a bullet again. Right. <laughs> All right. We have an awesome show, sir. Let's get it going. All right. So you're Mark. I'm Tony, as always. Let's get started with the random Vegas. Yes. In 1982, Atlantic City made more than the Vegas Strip in casino revenue, a trend that continued until the early 90s. That kind of surprises me, it, truly. I mean, it, I guess, see, I'm not a part of Vegas when it was before right. the way it looks today. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know that world. I don't know a pre-strip that has the Luxor and Mirage and fountains and volcanoes on it. Yeah, I was surprised at how long they they dominated Vegas. It's especially when you consider the downward spiral that they're in and 
I mean, almost dead. I mean, let's be honest. In 50 years, does Atlantic City live anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But next up is Vegas Mate Review of the Week. Uh, we don't have one, Tony. For the first time in the show's history, two weeks in a row, we've not had a review to share with you. You should all be ashamed wow. of yourselves. Ah, yeah, seriously, people, I know you're going to Vegas. Right. So <laughs> we see the 30 tweets. Seconds. We see the fucking tweets. We know. <laughs> That's right. You're throwing in our face that you're there and we're not. Right. <laughs> you tell us what you did. You tell us and you amuse us. <laughs> you report it. <laughs> all right, but you do have a twit pick of the week. Well, Tony, come on. It's kind of my thing. That's what I do. It's <laughs> <laughs> your jam. That's my jam. <laughs> Ideas are what have made Vegas the place it is today. Lots of innovative concepts have allowed the city to continue to evolve while markets like Reno and Atlantic City continue to decline in the face of local competition in a world where gambling is no longer looked upon unfavorably. However, some concepts never live up to their potential. Take the landmark. The concept sounds cool. An off-strip casino located at the top of the building so guests can enjoy the glorious view while gaming. However, lack of proper funding, shitty elevators, an off-strip location, and making people wait for an elevator so they can start losing money all proved to be the undoing of this property. This week's winner by at Las Vegas 360, not us, reminds us of what could have been. Here's a little history for you. The only reason the landmark project was finished after it ran out of money was because Howard Hughes bought it when the gaming control board told him that he couldn't purchase any more operating casinos. The only reason he finished it is because he wanted to build something in Vegas to compete against Kirk Corian, who was building the International, which was also under construction, and you can see that in the photo as well. The landmark was never successful, and it closed in 1990. Its real implosion was documented and used cinematically in Tim Burton's 1996 movie, Mars Attacks. Hmm. So... Now, forgive me, I, I can kind of put it in perspective time-wise since you had made mention that it was Howard Hughes that bought it and finished it, but do we have a general timeline of about how long it was open? Uh, well, it literally opened two days. I think it was two days before the International Open because Howard was fucking, he was driving hardcore, had to get it open, had to beat Kikorian at something. And that was basically what he could do is that they opened before, might have been a week, tops. Well, okay, then let me rephrase the question. When did the International open? <laughs> I don't know, Tony. I was trying to delay in hopes oh. that you would know. <laughs> He's quickly Googling. <laughs> the International open. I don't exactly remember, but I do remember. It's like, uh, now, now that I think about it, I want to say it was a week. It was a week before the International open. Okay, good. All right, well, then I will um, I will look online to find out my own answers. Um, <laughs> when the show's over. <laughs> I know a lot. I don't retain all those. <laughs> I'm like, Tony, I know exactly where I could go to find that answer, but it's just not timely right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, we will link it to uh, our blog and feature it on all of our social media outlets, such as Flickr, Pinterest, Facebook, Google+, and Twitter. And now that we've got the opening portion of the show out of the way, why don't we go to the news? Starting us off this week, the book Boardwalk Playground. It's been almost two years since his last book was published thanks to Kickstarter and people like people who listen to this show. Let's see, I, I, when I try to ad lib and I'm like, no, you wrote it better. You're fine. 
It's been almost two years since his last book was published, thanks to Kickstarter and people like you who listen to shows like this. But Dr. Dave is back. This time, he's covering Atlantic City. For those of you unaware, Dr. Dave was originally from Atlantic City and has worked in various gaming positions in that industry. He even wrote a monthly article for Atlantic City industry publication, Casino Connection, from 2003 to 2011, all about the city's history. But this isn't just a reprinting of those stories. It's the whole story of the city that once gave Vegas a run for its money. The name of the book is Boardwalk Playground, The Making, Unmaking, and Remaking of Atlantic City. It covers the history of the area in general, dating back to 1854, its evolution into gaming up to today, and its current dire straits. Here is where you get the opportunity to once again support the proper documentation of gaming history. Just go to the blog, 360vegaspodcast.com, click on the story link in the show notes, and it will take you right to the Kickstarter page. Select the dollar amount that you're comfortable with giving to support the project and consider yourself a supporter of literature. Depending on how much you contribute, you can even officially be recognized as such on the book's website or even in the book itself. While it is true the goal of 3500 has already been met and was met within hours of the campaign's announcement, don't let that dissuade you from supporting. His Kickstarter campaign was intended to only cover the costs of an indexer and professional proofreader, but continue to support the project and reward Dr. Dave for all the hard work he does documenting an industry that desperately needs it. The book is projected to be released in October of this year. You know, I'm excited about this. I had an opportunity to support Dr. Dave on his Grandissimo book um, yes. via via. Vice Lounge Online, and I'm going to do it again, mainly because not only do I just know the guy and I like the guy, but I want to use my dollar to support him and, and show him that if you keep doing what you're doing, I and lots and lots and lots of other people are going to be there to financially support any endeavor you continue on with the, this track that you're at. It's good stuff, and, and on top of that, people like you and I, that, that not just enjoy Vegas for Vegas and gaming and, and all these you know, vacation destinations for what it is that, that we enjoy when we're there. But we, we do crave the history of them. And the problem is, is this is an industry that was considered oh, as bad as prostitution. And, and documentation of that was not anybody's priority. If anything, they wanted to hush it all up. So we're at a, we're at a point now where we're starting to lose some of the people that were around or, or that gave a shit about it. And, and I, it is, it's super, super important that we get this stuff documented. And, and how lucky are we that we have an academic who is, and, and a pretty goddamn good storyteller <laughs> after reading Grandissimo, yeah. that, that is, is capturing all this information for us. So, so it is there for posterity, if nothing else. Now, have you ever been to Atlantic City? Oh, yeah. I've, I've been there once. I don't need to go okay, there more than okay. once. Okay, yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> been there, done that. Yeah, it's um, the the concept is is charming. Uh, I think it's a very cute idea. It's never been fully realized, and now it's kind of sad and syringe uh, littered. Yes, yes, it is. My God, I walked with no sandals on, and I uh, I've a, got Hep C, and not for yeah, any good reason. You are a brave man. You're brave, or a dumb, or a dumb man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, fair point. I know, right? Now, I um, Atlantic City is. It's as bad as, as you've read. We can just leave it at that. It's as bad as you've read. And, and I, I would recommend anybody going to go see it, although 
nowadays, I, I don't even know if, if it's fair to say that. Like, oh, you got you got to check out Atlantic City because it's not it's not even that anymore. I at least got to see it when it was Atlantic City before whatever the hell it is now. Well, yeah, and, and I've only been out there uh, one time, and it was last year. So, oh, geez. oh, so you? Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most things had already closed. Oof. The showboat was still open, but um, everything else before that had already closed down. Yeah. Well, I, I, I at least got to see it. Yeah, it's it's bad. I don't know. I, I, I wanted to add more to it, Tony, but there really isn't much to add. It was cute, and it's going away for a good reason. Well, we'll get to live vicariously through the book then on, on what yesteryear looked like. Yes, there you go. <laughs> While we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> So the Las Vegas club's been sold. It has been sold to Derek Stevens uh, from the Tamaris Group, also owners of the Plaza. The Las Vegas club has long been considered the worst property on Fremont since Fitzgerald's was renovated into the D. Those of you who have been in a coma for the last four years, Derek's the one that did that. Now the hotel closed a couple of years ago and since then has been rumored to be under renovation being turned into condos, but the only real development that has happened is a reduction in the casino space in favor of rent-paying tenants like the Viva Vegas gift shop. And most recently, it was rumored that CVS was going to take over, but that's pretty highly unlikely with this news. While official plans haven't been announced, speculation is expect a fits-to-D-like transformation. Here's my question to you, Tony. Is Derek Stevens the Steve Wynn for the common man? Yes, I think so. I'm excited about what he's going to do with this piece of property, especially because it's going to be right across the street from the Golden Gate, yep. which gives him a lot of opportunities. There could be some, some neat stuff that he could do there. I hope that with this purchase, he will eventually connect up his player club together so that my play is valued at, at, at all of the locations. Right. But that being said, this is neat, and this is... Um, I think this is a game changer and, and what I'm so excited what I'm most excited about in relation to this whole this additional purchase market is we're kind of going back to old school Vegas where you've got one owner and you can shake the guy's hand and you can look him in the eye and you can literally see you can what relate the owner to sees you can relate to the guy yeah you get it no I, I agree with you it's not a corporation it's a guy it's a guy that runs this no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not ready to christen him as, as the Steve Wynn yet, but if he does what he did at Fitzgerald to this, yes. Yes, absolutely. It, it's, um, it's exciting. I'll be honest with you. Over dinner, Karen and I were chatting about, uh, because obviously he ditched the, the Fitzgerald's name in, in favor of the D, but we were like, what do you think he's going to do with, uh, with, with the Vegas club? Like, I wonder if he's got the name. If he's got the name, can you imagine what he could do? It could just be an homage to Las Vegas. It could be like a rat pack. Hang on. Like, all the ideas you could possibly think of the las vegas club you could fucking come up with anything for sure yeah and and i love that as a huge huge lover of of everything rat pack yeah. that would be so cool to do some sort of tip of the hat and, and and really make it feel like an old school vegas casino and why not you're already downtown to begin with right. so why not embrace your surroundings absolutely completely ditch the whole sports theme and just go retro that's the whole yes. fucking theme is retro vegas that would be fun yeah. that would be cool excited excited specifically because we've seen what this guy can do let's let's see if let's see if he didn't just get lightning in a bottle and let's see if he's as talented as we think he is for sure 
So the downtown grand is for sale. Yeah, let, let's go from success to failure, Tony. <laughs> oh, no joke, man. Yeah. Vital Vegas was on fire this week with news. Shortly after it was confirmed that Derek Stevens bought the Las Vegas club, it was reported that sometime next week, the downtown grand will announce that it is for sale. Despite high marks for their renovation, including the casino, restaurants, room and pool deck, the property never got off the ground since reopening in 2013, and not from lack of trying. They've just never found a way to attract people to leave Fremont Street, even if it's only a block away, and even with the Mob Museum and Pizza Rock in the area. All right, so this is where I see this property going, only because it, it would make sense. Becoming apartments for the Zappos people. It's just, it's, it's huge, it's got two big towers, got a pool area, I could totally see that happening. Then again, the California and the Main Street Station continue to pull people north of Fremont, and it isn't like that location is an issue. I would argue that Downtown Grand has a far better location than California and Main Street. So my question to you, Tony, is it just that they don't know how to run it? 100%, absolutely. So about, oh gosh, Mark, at this point, it's been about eight years now, excuse me, eight months now, my wife and my brother-in-law and I went out to Vegas between Christmas and New Year's just because it's an absolutely dead time of year. And so you can get right. just a steal on, on airline tickets and, and everything is, is comped. And they were running a special where if you came in and you were a new player and you earned, and I'm going to make this up on the fly, if you, made if you earned 50 points in 24 hours, they would comp you a t-shirt. And if you uh, earned 100 those. points you'd get a sweatshirt. Love those con those contests. And if you earned like 250 points, they would give you a two-night comp stay. Nice. And so my brother-in-law, myself, and my wife, we all got our own respective player cards, and we all earned the maximum number of points that you was necessary to be able to get all of the, you know, the little trinket prizes nice. up and including the two comp night stays. Right. Mark, I'll tell you what, not once, never did my wife, nor my brother-in-law, nor I get any sort of phone call from a casino host saying, hey, you know what, during a, you know, within two hours of you signing up for our Players Club card, you earned all of these points. We'd sure love it if you'd come back and check us out again. Not once did we ever get any mailers for, hey, come on in, enjoy a couple nights on us, even if it was just a Sunday through Thursday offer. Right. It was, we never got comp stays. And here's the problem, Mark. I get hand over fist of mailers from Main Street Station. And we stay at Main Street Station because at this point I am, um, I'll, I'll be willing to concede I'm a little bit of a baby and I'm unwilling to pay for hotel rooms anymore. And so if I've got two casinos that are equal distance down from Fremont Street, and and at, at least with Main Street Street Main Street Station, when I'm coming up towards Fremont Street, I'm walking past the California, I'm walking past the Las Vegas Club, I'm walking past the Plaza. So there are other things there for me to, to, to partake yeah, in. Yeah. When there's nothing, nothing between, uh, gosh, what would that be? I think um, Binion's and Fremont. Right. If I if I've got my intersections correct. No, you got it. You got it. Down to downtown grand you absolutely should be throwing me all sorts of offers to come in and come stay with you i just think that it's been poorly mismanaged you know there was a lot of hubbub and to do about what sort of video poker 
payback they had available. Most recently, we've been hearing complaints about how their table games are only open from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. I mean, Mark, I don't understand when you were that far down Main Street or Fremont, and it's not even that far. That's the worst part. But in the eyes of people that are on this, you know, Fremont Street, I think that's why they're staying there. They don't want to have to hoof it 35 minutes just to get from, say, Mirage to um, Bellagio. Yeah. So I am disappointed, and I am while I am not surprised by this, I, like you, am of the opinion I want everything in Vegas to be successful. Yeah. I want it to be successful. It's very El Cortez-esque. They had to come out fucking balls out, like the greatest rates you could possibly have. You want to stay here? Just stay here. We don't give a shit. You gotta, we're, we just want you to have fun. I, I, I totally see where you're coming from, and I am similar to you. If I only ever get one comp, it's a free room. Give me a free room, I'm fucking coming to your place. Hardcore. You know, and, and it's um, it's disappointing. It's almost like like one of the things that Karen and I were talking about once again, uh, chatting about the show over dinner tonight. One of the things we brought up was that place almost went to a let's be subtle, let's be oh look we're kind of old school we're classy and it's like no one fucking knows you're there, no one knows you're there. You're literally looking at the the fucking center of the universe in in neon. You don't have any. You don't have any at all. We don't even know you exist because we're blinded by the gorgeousness that is the neon we're all bathed in. That property should be fucking soaked in neon. Like, hey, 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 we still exist. We exist. Come down here. Come down here. Totally agree with you. If Derek Stevens can rescue the Fitzgerald from the giant piece of shit that it is, and if he can do what we think he can do with the Las Vegas club, nothing but shitty owners at downtown grand because i like that property i really like that property that pool is really cool i like the casino i like the the area just poorly run well and i'll tell you my wife and i have been through the mob museum twice we just are so fascinated by not just the mob world but then how it yeah how it plays in with vegas and so they were giving free coupons for uh, comped drinks if you went into the mob bar and if you can in your mind's eye vision when you're walking out of the mob museum and you're coming down the steps right there kitty corner to your left is an entrance to the mob bar and they kept it permanently locked they wanted you to hoof it all the way down so fucking dumb just to come back, right? And so no wonder the mob bar is closed. When Alistair and my wife and I had drinks there one particular afternoon, the number of people that came up to those doors, they would pull on them and they were locked and they would take a step back and they would they would look like, well, wait, what's happening? And yeah. they're looking for a... Oh, for a closed? You know, no, 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 no. It was open, but those doors no, no, were no, locked. No, that's they what I mean. People those... are going up to it. They, they feel the locked doors like, oh, oh, yes. it must be closed. And so, and none of them, zero, Mark, ever actually got back. It, meaning, none of them walked down and then came back because we were sitting there the entire time, and not one person never actually took the time to walk all the way down to the entrance and then backtrack through the casino to get to the mob bar. What a colossal screw up on someone's part. Just get them in there. Just fucking get them in there. In any way you can get them in there, get them in there. Yes. Yes. That was that was too bad. Matter of fact, there was a small part of me that wondered if um. Derek Stevens thought, oh, shit, you mean to tell me I bought the Las Vegas Club when I could have gotten the uh, downtown Grand? I, I, I actually would flip that. I, I, I think downtown, downtown Grand's like, oh, fuck. Why didn't we announce no, right, like two yeah. weeks ago? <laughs> I got Derek. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> 
So Vegas makes sports history. Right. They, they desperately, desperately want to have a, a sports team, and they have made history, although it's not really their fault. Well, it's kind of their fault, but it's not their fault. It's been well documented that Las Vegas' third attempt to exist in the Arena Football League failed so badly this time that the league took over operation of the team halfway through the season. I, I by the way, am a huge, I know you're not a huge sports fan, but I love arena football. I, I'm disappointed that it, it hasn't caught on in Vegas. It, it was just side commentary. That's not, that's not what to do. So. <laughs> Good, because I have absolutely nothing to add to this. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, let me get back to the facts. <laughs> Aren't all games played in an arena? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> At the end of the season, to no one's surprise, it was announced that the team would cease operation immediately. Using that word instead of at the end of the season is important because the Las Vegas Outlaws qualified for the playoffs. Well, the AFL addressed that too. For the first time in professional sports history, and I mean any professional sport in the world that we're aware of, at least the United States, you know how the United States is, they're like going in the world in, in, in America. But for the first time in professional sports history, a team that has qualified for the playoffs will not be able to play in them. The AFL announced that the second-year team, the Portland Thunder, will instead take their place. Now, this isn't the first time that a team that was folding made it to the playoffs. The Chicago Rush did it in 2013, but they were allowed to play. The decision has become the talking point of sports radio all over the country, and Vince Neal took advantage, Vince Neal, the shitty owner, took uh, advantage of the situation to explain the reason why the team failed wasn't lack of fan support, although it did have a bad attendance record, averaging around 3,500, one of the worst in the league, but lack of sponsorships by Las Vegas companies and due to one of his partners not doing their job. Basically, everyone except him and the players. Now, details are available, but relatively pathetic. Neil did admit that he hopes outrage is so feverish that it encourages the league to change their decision, but two items of interest. The Las Vegas Outlaws were 5-12-1 this season, and the AFL employs all players and coaches, not ownership. Kind of sounds like a good idea. <laughs> They're like, yeah, your team fucking sucks. You're an embarrassment to everything. Let's just forget you existed. Why don't we allow this? I, I agree. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this got messed. This is a team that's dead anyways. It's not going anywhere. Who gives a fuck? I understand the idea that what if they ended up winning it all? Who cares? All right. At this point, at this point, this is a business trying to survive. They're already employing all these people. Like, what's the point of us continuing to have this team play? Now, granted, they would have been on the road to a team that, you know, would have, would have had had a, a, a attendance they, to actually see that game. But there's no financial benefit to having the Las Vegas Outlaws do it. And let's be honest, this is a league that's trying to survive. They've already died once, resurrected themselves from bankruptcy. This makes perfect sense. I wish, I wish, and, and part of the reason why I preface that I am a big AFL fan I wish I could be like, this is an outrage. It's like, you know what? Your team fucking sucks. We're giving it to a fucking city that supports it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's a fair point. There's not a whole lot um, that you can argue when, when your teams have nothing to, to, to bring to the table. But, you know, what's interesting is you've talked about professional sports teams in Vegas before. And you and Karen, if I'm not mistaken, were super excited about ice hockey on the top of the plaza. Oh, that was going to be cool. That was going to be a cute idea. There's something very cute and grassroots and and 
I, I can't even find the right words to, to contextualize it, but the, something about minor league that shows how feverish a team is. Like Karen and I met and, uh, and, and married in Columbus, Ohio, and at that time, they didn't have any professional sports. They just had, you know, the, the Ohio State Buckeyes, but they did have a minor league hockey team, and they were fucking fanatical about it. Part of the reason why they currently have a professional hockey team. So the idea of that being part of the downtown Fremont experience, I thought would have been really cute. Now they've had minor league hockey in there, you know, in in Vegas for quite some time. And I'm not even particularly a giant hockey fan, but it, it's just there's something about minor leagues that that can be very fun, especially for a team that's craving a professional franchise. And that was really what I thought was going to be the most interesting. Because to be honest with you, if they were like when when they announced that it wasn't going to be in in the at the plaza. If they announced that it was anywhere not, like right there, right off of Fremont, I wouldn't give it a shit. <laughs> and, and that's a fair point. But see, you're looking at that from the tourist standpoint. I wonder if there's any value in taking it off from the the major touristy areas and truly saying to the locals there, hey, we want you to come support this thing that we have for the community. And I'm a little surprised that a sports team hasn't done better in Las Vegas because of the population, you know, the, the size of the population, because the Smith Center, which just recently opened and, and has traveling United States uh, Broadway tour shows coming through, is doing phenomenally well, apparently. Right. So, I, you know, I it, it seems like Vegas wants to have the, the culture, wants to have that nightlife experience that's not the Strip or Fremont Street. I'm just kind of surprised that, it, that a sports team hasn't been more successful. No, you're 100% right. My my enthusiasm for that minor league hockey team to be there was purely selfish. I do not believe that any professional sport, even if it's a, a minor league professional team, can survive off of tourism. Can't happen. It has to be local supported. And I, it's one of the reasons why I've complained about if, if Vegas ends up getting an NHL team, the idea of having a a proper or having it connected to a property that doesn't have its own parking area. The fact that you're making locals who already fucking hate casino parking, you're going, oh, oh, you want to support a professional franchise? Park in all the shitty places you fucking hate. We're not going to make a giant lot like every other professional sports franchise does in fucking history. Create some kind of an easier place for you to park, whether it's a garage or a giant lot or whatever. The fact that they're not doing it, it, it if Vegas doesn't get it, it's what they deserve. If they get it, you're fucking lucky. And you better learn from the fact that you will fail. I fully believe you will fail to attract the significant amount of local traffic that you should have because your parking situation is so stupid. No, no, Tony. You don't need to add anymore. That's it. <laughs> well, then. That's definitive. <laughs> well, then give me an MGM Resorts update. CEO Jim Murin responded to rumors that the Mirage was being sold by saying the property, quote, isn't on the market. Definitive no. Not at all. <laughs> That's very cleverly chosen. <laughs> However, Edge Vegas is reporting that not only has the property been sold, but Marriott's reward program will be their partner since they will no longer be a part of the M Life Club. On to Monte Carlo. Previously, the notion of a name change was said to be on the table. However, this week, Murin revealed that in multiple studies, the name Monte Carlo did not resonate with customers the same as other properties in their inventory did. In light of this information, quote, a name change is almost a certainty. 
MGM is currently evaluating what that could be. One idea on this. That's disappointing. Like, I, I get that the Monte Carlo doesn't live up to the name. That When you think of Monte Carlo, I mean, I, obviously they, they went with the motif that, that kind of, you know, it, it gives you that. But it's not like, oh, my. and I like the Monte Carlo, but it's not like, oh, we got to go to the fucking Monte Carlo. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> so I get it. But it, 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 and I get the idea of moving from it. It's almost like, oh, couldn't you make Monte Carlo better? Or, you no, know, we got to bail on the name. All right. And my concern is, what the fuck are you going to name it? Why do you know it's going to be something stupid like Agilon? Or is it just something, something that means nothing? You're like, what? No, I agree. You're absolutely right. Because what the names that have come out as of late haven't been exactly inspiring. Right. You know, they're the, the awe factor isn't there with no offense to the link or the quad it, it just it's not it's not exciting with Luxor and with Paris and with Excalibur you know exactly what you're getting in, in your right. mind's eye you can you can always build it up and make it a little bit bigger in your head than right. than what it might even be in reality yeah. but with the link or the quad I know exactly what I'm getting I'm getting something that's you know didn't take a whole lot of effort to put into, and yet it seemed like they probably really racked their brain to come up with something clever like that. I do I do feel bad for him, because you have to, in a world where this show got fucked because of a of a, of a web domain squatter, I mean, we're, we're 360vegaspodcast.com because some fucking prick wants to charge me 15 grand to be 360 Vegas. So I can't fathom how difficult it has to be in this day and age to come up with names for things, because you know some prick owns some any relatively creative name or it's at least that's what i keep telling myself so i can i can somehow tolerate like on well that's the name we're gonna have to deal with (laughs) (laughs) i was so crushed when they got rid of lady luck why the fuck would you get rid of lady luck for downtown grand that's insane yeah I agree. That was that was terrible. They should absolutely have kept the name. How cool would that be? You know what would be fun? You know what would be really neat, Mark, is if they brought and they renamed it to the Moulin Rouge and oh. gave a kind of give a Yeah, think about that. You know, the fact that it was it was initially, at least according to my understanding of Vegas history, that was where uh, like uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and a lot of the African American entertainers oh, had to stay, right? It was a beast, yeah. And so think how cool that would be. So yeah, just throwing it out there, MGM, I'll give you that one. No no need to pay me rates for that <laughs> I know, right? How expensive could it be to purchase the naming rights of that thing that's been dead for like 50 years? Come on. Yeah. yeah. And Lady I, Luck, I for that matter. That. Lady Luck, how expensive could that be? I, well, exactly, because it's not exactly like it was high in demand or it wouldn't have closed in the first place. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The decline of Vegas gaming. Yes. Multiple stories came out this week complaining about the continued decline in favorable gaming odds in Vegas. I know this is something you're passionate about, so I'm really looking forward to, to your to your thoughts on this. Onlineblackjack.com is reporting that just two years removed from having some of the best blackjack in the city, payouts at MGM and MGM Resorts have virtually all been reduced to 6.5. On their most recent earnings call, Wynn recently announced they were reducing their craps odds to two times one of the worst in Vegas. Mr. Wynn himself admitted this is aggressively discouraging serious gamblers, but pointed out that serious gamblers aren't the majority of the people that play craps. In fact, they shared that they are moving many of their, quote, specialty games popular with the public, AKA 
games with the highest house edge, to high traffic areas and relocated those with favorable odds to secondary locations. In case you aren't catching on to this, this is going to happen everywhere else in the next 10 years for multiple reasons. And here are those reasons. First, Vegas isn't about gambling anymore, for fuck's sake. It's an adult Disney World with many, many, many entertainment options, and gambling is only one of them. Nowadays, if you want to gamble, you go to your local casino where those who actually give a shit about odds know where to go. Second, Vegas has broken annual attendance records each of the last two years, and it looks to be on pace to do it again. While some of that is because gaming is becoming much more acceptable to the world at large, the majority of that is the general public, not serious gamblers. These people are in Vegas to have fun. They aren't looking at payout tables. Vegas doesn't care about attracting gamblers. Profit margins on just about everything else are much greater. And lastly, the majority of people complaining about the decline, not you, sir. I've been hanging out with you and I've seen your reaction to shitty pay tables. Other people. <laughs> people who are complaining about the decline in favorable gaming aren't doing anything but crying about it. When people complained about resort fees, Caesars tried to play to that crowd by not having them. Once it was determined that that perk wasn't important enough to people to pull them away from properties with resort fees, they adopted the practice. When properties started going to 6-5 Blackjack, those that bitched about it didn't stop gambling at those properties. So now it's being taken over by all the city. In a capitalist economy, the only power anyone has is their dollar. Blogs and podcasts and social media fucking whinging is only self-effacing and making no difference in the real world. We aren't breaking Watergate stories. You're bitching about what people do on their fucking vacation. Thoughts? I gotta concede I am one of those individuals that is whining about the decrease in the fair, and I'm gonna use, and, and I hate I hate the word fair because the world is not fair and we should, like not good. Try, we should not try to make things fair, but when I can get the same piss poor odds at my local Indian casino that I can get out in Las Vegas, where is the incentive for me to spend the money on an airline ticket to fly out to Vegas when I can get the same poor odds on the same video poker machine that I could stay at home and, and experience, you know, back at home. But is gambling the only thing you're doing when you come to Vegas? It, for me, obviously not. I mean, I still enjoy drinking, shocker. I still enjoy <laughs> eating, but at the end of the day, I'm not real, I, I, I'm definitely not there to do any shopping. I am only, I, I bet you, Mark, I could count on one hand, probably even less than the number of fingers that I've got on how many times I've seen entertainment out in Las Vegas. I know you're a big gambler. I like to gamble. That's, that's for me, that's my enjoyment. And what I, I got to wonder is, and I'm sorry for, for the listeners overlap between Vice Lounge and, and, and 360 Vegas because they've heard this before. They've heard this rant from me before. But just hear me out on this, Mark. Oh, absolutely. Here, here's what I wonder. If I don't gamble on the strip, for example, because I can't find blackjack that's 
you know, anything better than 65 unless I'm at say a $25 minimum table and that is that is larger than I am comfortable with with gambling. I would not get $25 worth of value at, at, at that minimum table. So so instead then Let's just say I hypothetically went to a locals casino like the Orleans or Gold Coast or, or something along those lines. What I need to, what I wonder about is if a strip casino were to offer full pay video poker and or they were to offer 3-2 blackjack and they brought me to the table, what I wonder is are they winning more money off from the players, the ploppies that I, as I call them, they just plop themselves down at a video poker machine and they just bang away at the keys. They don't know what they're doing. Right. But at least you're getting a crack at my bankroll. And I got to wonder if the difference between a poorly set up video poker machine versus a full pay video machine, are they getting that much more money out of the gambler than giving a full pay video poker and letting me sit there and lose my money at a slightly slower pace. Does that make sense how I'm phrasing? Because I don't I, think I'm being clear. No, no, no. no. Where I, I'm going. I, I, totally, I totally know where you're going, but here's where, what I'm looking at it. How many people do you think, give, give me a random percentage, are you and I when we go to Vegas? Because you, you and I have hung out a lot of times in Vegas, and you and I both do the same thing. When we walk up to a video poker table, just as an example, the first thing we do is look at, at the payouts. It's the first thing we do, and we have gone, nope, fuck this, I'm not sitting here. How many people do you think do what we do? Give me a percentage. Sadly, I suspect we're probably in single-digit percentage of the individuals that gamble like that. Exactly, and I, 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 I cater or... That cater's not the word I'm looking for. Tap into your inner capitalist. Does this not make sense? The most disappointing thing is you and I are the smart people. We're the ones that are going, you're going to charge me a resort fee? Well, fuck you. I'm going to stay over at this property. Tony, I stayed at goddamn Caesars Properties for two fucking years. I didn't like it. I wanted to stay at MGM's, but I was supporting the concept. We're like, fuck you. I'm not staying at your fucking properties. You're going to charge me this. Didn't matter. Didn't matter because I was once again in the in the minority of doing something like that to make a point. Same thing with this. There are lots of people, usually the people that would listen to this show, and and I don't mean to make it sound like Edge Vegas and Vital Vegas are bitching about this stuff because they're the kind of people just like you and I who are smart who go and see six five blackjack. Like fuck you, I'm not playing this. What are you ridiculous? But the thing is, is we're in such a minority they don't give a fuck. And on the flip side. This is what is so brilliant about Steve Wynn. So brilliant. Now, it sounds right off the bat like, wow, he's fucking over craps players and all this stuff. That's that's really disappointing. Like, I can't believe he's always catered to the high high rollers. Do you really think the hardcore craps players are playing at those general public tables? No way. They're going to real tables that have favorable odds so he can get the real money. What he's doing is he's creating, and I promise you in 10 years it's going to happen to all these other fucking casinos, they're catering to the 90% of people that come to Vegas that just came to have a good time, man. They want to go to a club, they want to get drunk, and they want to eat at nice restaurants, and they want to gamble a little bit. They don't know what the fuck they're doing, but they know how to count to 21, and they know how to throw <laughs> dice. And that's a fair point, but then, you know what, casino executives, please stop lamenting the fact that you are consistently taking in a smaller and smaller win oh, from your casino. Yes, you're totally seeing where I'm going. Yes. Because, and, and I think I've, I th give me one more crack at trying to explain where I'm coming from. I am of the opinion, Mark, that 
the, the let's just say the 10%, let's say that you and I that actually look at video poker paybacks and say that is that is piss poor, and I'm just gonna go with the easy one that most people know, nine, six jacks are better, all right? I am firmly of the belief that if they were to go back to full pay video poker, they would get more people coming through their doors that will lose money that would be greater than whatever piss poor odds they've got now where let's just say it's 7-5. I am truly of the opinion that, that if they could tap into and get that additional 10% of people that know what 9-6 jacks or better should be, those people are going to come in because you've still got the odds in your favor. They're just not as astronomical yeah. because Mark, by the time we get down to 7-5 jacks or better, you're down to, a, you on average, Mark, you lose one percentage point in payback for every numerical reduction you take off from the nine and the six. So if you go from nine, six, which is on average a 99.54% return, if you just notch that down from nine, six to eight, six, you go down one percentage point. So now right. it's roughly 98.5%. And if you take it down to seven, six, okay, it goes down one more percentage point. So by the time we play seven, five, jacks or better, we're looking at three percentage points taken off from the payback, which puts it at us at roughly 96.5%. And a lot of times, Mark, you can get those same odds playing a slot machine. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. why so many people don't want to play slots. So, okay, so you notch it back up to the 9.6 and it's a 99.5% return. I am personally of the opinion you will gain more income or, or casino losses, if you will. Right. By pulling in that 10%, even though you've reduced the, the house odd by 3%, I, I just personally am of the opinion because we'll all come back. Because nobody comes out to Vegas, Mark. No good Vegas tourist comes out to Vegas to stay at the Orleans. No offense to any of your listeners. No, no, no. Like I know exactly what you're saying. If you're staying at, at, a, at a property like the Orleans or Palace Station, it's because you came to gamble. You came to have fun. Like, you, you have a specific... Vegas experience in mind. If you're on the strip, yeah, no, I, I I know where you're going, and as a, as a pure capitalist, I so hope you're right. I hope the numbers end up spelling out. Uh, I think we kind of cut a little too close to, to the vein here. I think I think we should have we, we need to dial it back a little bit. I, th I I think unfortunately we thought our patrons were a little dumber than we thought, but I I I don't think so. Well, I, I'm afraid. I respect your your philosophy. I, I am of the exact same opinion. If you can if you can get away with it, why shouldn't you do it? But at some point, you're absolutely right. I would love to think that your clientele base is going to revolt. And when it does, you go, okay, okay, hey, you know what? We're cool. We can, you know what? Let, this is a give and take. Uh, this is a very reciprocal relationship. Right. We get it. But we're not seeing that yet. No, not, no, no. And, and, and let me make one more closing point before we move on to that. I guess I wouldn't take such extreme offense to the downgrade of the video poker pay schedules or the, the, the blackjack payback if they weren't nickel and diming me for everything else. I mean, even just from getting on the airplane to get out to Vegas, I'm getting nickeled and dimed. Right. Then I show up and then all of a sudden now you want me to pay a resort fee and you want me to pay if I want to check in early and you want me to pay if I want to check out later. And those things, it's just, it's getting to a point where it's not, that's not fun anymore. I, right. When I come out to Vegas, I've got a bankroll that I plan on blowing all of it. I'm not coming back with a single dollar. 
Casinos line up. His name is Tony Snyder. <laughs> I am going to eat. I'm going to drink, and I am going to gamble this money away. Right. But when you start nickel and diming me on my my resort fees and my check-ins and, and this, that, and the other, that's not fun anymore. And quite frankly, I would rather take the same amount of money, fly down to Memphis, stay down there where Tunica I can is pretty fucking sweet, folks. Eat and drink all over the place, and I've got the Vegas of the South, yes. a scant thirty minutes away. It's not bullshit. He is not lying. <laughs> they, they just, I think they need to be very, very careful. I, I, I would agree. The, the one last point that I would, I would make with this is, has it gotten you to a point where you're like, I'm not doing it anymore. You're not getting my money anymore. Um, no, but, but, uh, it's gotten me down to downtown. I never even considered downtown a destination for Vegas. Okay, but th that's still significant. I want to make sure that that's clear, that that is significant. The thing is, because to your point, downtown has more favorable odds. Well, right, but that's what I, I I'm sorry, I thought your question was, am I done with Vegas or am I close to, get to being done with Vegas? And, and my answer is, well, no, but it's, it's moved me from the strip to downtown because I'm getting better odds and I'm, and I want to vote with my money. Right. No. And, and all I was trying to do was, cause it felt like I was kind of attacking you there for a minute. And I wanted to kind of oh, give no, you, I, I, I wanted to give you a little bit of confirmation there because you basically did exactly what I, what I said is you're taking your dollar and putting it where it should be. And that's what I love about the strip off strip and downtown is there are, there are owners who are intelligent enough to go, well, fuck, they're fucking them over here. If I do it over here, I'm going to get them. And they are getting them. They're getting you because of what's going on here. So good. You know, it's capitalism. I like it. So someone else who's quite the capitalist, classic Steve Wynn. Oh, it's so entertaining. An entire book was written on the kind of fighter Steve Wynn is and the time, money, and effort he puts into trying or he put into trying to return to the Atlantic City market only to finally give up when Trump made the proposition not worth it. FYI, that book is called Worth the Shore, and it is great. Now, it appears the legendary fiery man has returned now that the mayor of Boston is attempting to invalidate Wynn's awarded casino license. In an interview regarding the rather public dispute, Wynn made it clear that, quote, the chances of us leaving are zero. Steve didn't have to be pressed too much to get some additional commentary on the matter. He stated on a call, quote, I've had enough with Mayor Walsh. I can't negotiate with him. The man is obviously irresponsible. The long and short of it is the mayor claims the Massachusetts Gaming Commission manipulated the process to favor win and now wants to put it to a vote. He even went on to allege in a radio interview that Wynn tried to bribe him with a nine-figure sum to drop the dispute. Considering the amount of money invested, not just in the resort, but in land development and infrastructure, including fixing problems Wynn is tasked with taking care of for the privilege to have such a license, speculation immediately returns to the suspicion that Mayor Walsh is merely the public figure Wynn's competition purchased to fight their fight. Sadly, just as AC was, Boston will truly be those who lose if Wynn is prevented from building his property. Can you see any other way than this is giant propaganda from competition? This doesn't make the slightest bit of sense. None! None! The mayor of Boston is, is supposed to be the individual who says, 
come to my city, I want to make my city prosperous for the residents that live here. And when you've got someone like Steve Wynn who says, I literally want to start just dumping money into He's your billion. municipality, and you're getting this level of, 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 of grief, I'm surprised Wynn hasn't backed out at this point. It's shocking. The only thing I can think is he's looking at Boston and realizing, holy shit, if I'm at Boston, I'm going to pull New Yorkers. I'm going to pull fucking like he's he's a prime fucking location. But I'm so with you. He's Steve fucking win. Whatever decision you want. I, I, I don't particularly like the casinos that he makes. It's just not really within my I mean, I clearly appreciate them, but it's just not really in my wheelhouse. But my God, if Steve Wynn wants to build a casino in your fucking state, in your city, you fucking let Steve Wynn build a casino in your city, your state. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it. the mayor's thinking. This is this is unbelievable as far as I'm concerned. Frankly, I'm kind of surprised that the people of Boston haven't kind of risen up. You know, that there hasn't been a, more of a groundswell. From, just gotten him, just throw him out of office and yeah, him. Like, what the hell are you doing? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shut up, dude. He's going to go. He's going to go to New Jersey. Do you know the land that he's he's working on is a former uh, like dump? <laughs> I had no idea. That's it, he's doing. Uh, it's it's shocking what this dude. I mean, it's very similar. It's, seriously, I cannot recommend War at the Shore anymore because it's very similar. The land that Wynn was going to build on there was a giant piece of shit, and it was. I, I don't. I don't want to go as far as calling it a toxic dump, but whatever it was, it was fucked up, and he had to put a lot of money into fixing it. And it was like, oh, we're going to work on roads, and we're going to do this, and blah blah blah. And it just, uh, it's it's the same thing all over again. And I I hope, I hope the result isn't the same because. Boston, you are really fucking yourself if you chase this dude out. It's just ridiculous. Well, you know, Sheldon Adelson has had unbelievable success with his, um, uh, God, what is it, Sands? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Yes. I mean, my wife and I have consistently tried to book a trip. We would love to go and check out Philadelphia just because of the city, yeah. but then stay at the casino proper. And the place on, on any random Tuesday night, Mark, is like, Two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars. Wow. I mean, he's not hurting. So no. I, I get that clearly the, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow must clearly be worth it for Steve Wynn to, to, to fight the way he is. But also, Mark, don't take, don't take for granted the fact that he may just be digging his heels in and saying, you know what, screw you. I mean, that's that kind of makes me wonder if there's a, a more of a um, personal success for himself in this. And you know what? To a lesser extent, I wonder. If, how much politics is being played here. Just looking at the two individuals, you know, uh, Boston happens to, tends to be a more left of center philosophical city, and, mm. and Steve Wynn is is more right of center. And I, you know, there's a part of me that wonders if maybe there's just a, um, uh, who can, you know, you're, 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 stop peeing in my sandbox scenario. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it's fascinating. It'll, it'll always baffle me. When when Steve Wynn wants to spend the kind of money, like I, I cannot recommend Worth the Shore. <laughs> I'm, if, I'm not getting paid by them, but I cannot recommend it enough. What that guy goes through and the money that man invests in trying to get into Atlantic City, only to ultimately be fucked by Trump, jaw dropping. <laughs> It's, oh, that's interesting. That's is, neat. Well, then, you know what? The listeners should uh, click on your Amazon link to go ahead and buy that book then, because I'm sure they're going to want to learn about it. Nice. I like you. We're going to have you back more. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for the news. 
we do have some prop bets. For those of you unfamiliar, prop bets is an extension of the news, but with just bits and pieces of noteworthy items. Go ahead and start us off. Vegas Eater is reporting that Sam Nazarian is in talks to merge with the Morgan's Hotel Group, former owners of the Light Group. Currently, the biggest name in Light Group's portfolio is the Delano. For the first time in the property's history, the Cosmopolitan had a profitable quarter, reporting a 20% increase in gaming and a 17 decrease in expenses for the second quarter of 2015. Yay, yeah, congratulations, you guys figured out you have a casino. Right. <laughs> exciting. Big Elvis is returning to performing at Harrah's August 31st ahead of the original time estimates. He will now be performing Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m., 3.30, and 5 p.m. Edge Vegas is reporting that Mandalay Bay has plans to renovate their sportsbook next spring or summer with hopes to reopen in time for the 2016 NFL season. The Las Vegas Advisor is reporting that Rod Stewart has extended his residency at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace into a fifth year. Tickets to shows in March and April next year are now available. But Vegas is reporting that Donny Osmond will soon undergo vocal cord surgery. While he has had to reschedule some solo performances, he isn't expected to miss any Flamingo shows once their residency picks up in October. It's also reported that he has an MP3 already queued up saying how much he thinks his sister is a bitch. <laughs> I'll fucking hit it, Marie. I'll fucking hit it. <laughs> Aretha Franklin canceled her performance at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace last Friday claiming exhaustion. She does plan to reschedule the appearance. It is exhausting to carry around 700 pounds. Thank you for addressing what every Jesus. listener I guarantee you was thinking. It is shocking. How giant that woman has gotten. Shocking. Well, and what's going to be unfortunate, I mean, she's she's had a great, great career. Oh, phenomenal. But I, phenomenal talent. I hope she doesn't cut that career short um, because of, you know, that type of potential problem. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you and I are, are people who are like, oh, I'm kind of overweight and I don't feel comfortable, you know, what's going on. And then you, you see situations like that, like, wow. Like, I look at myself and I'm like, wow, I really need to kind of rein it in. And look, you're like, did you get that out of control? You know, I've lost probably, oh, from my highest weight, from where I currently am now, probably 40 or 50 pounds. And I'll tell you what, I there was a time when I just, when I was at my highest weight, I wish someone would have just grabbed me by the shoulders and just said, will you just stop eating? Yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> the thing is, is people have said to me, well, you know, what's your, what's been your weight loss success? And I say two crazy notions. Number one, exercise more, and number two, eat less. <laughs> but in all sincerity, the best thing I've ever learned was what my, um, you know, like my physical trainer taught me. She said, Tony, you can't outrun your fork. So you can get on the, the elliptical or the treadmill all you want, right. but if you're going to go, if you're going to stop at the Dairy Queen on the way home from the gym, and I'm not too proud to admit I've done that before, she said, I don't care how much time you spend at the gym, you can't outrun your fork. And so, any rate, portion control. But And there you go. <laughs> Thanks, friends. Come back next week to The Biggest Loser, Vegas style. <laughs> Harris, New Orleans projected a 15% drop in revenue once. Revenue? No, or revenue is what I said. <laughs> we're, not, we're not in, uh, I almost said Narnia, but that wouldn't work because it would have been Middle Earth. I fucked the whole thing up. We're just going from here. <laughs> Thanks, C.S. Lewis. Please continue. Right. <laughs> Harrah's New Orleans projected a 15% drop in revenue once the smoking ban went into effect in May 
and the property lost 16%. However, in June, they are reporting losing just over 30% from their previous year. While the property doesn't expect the decline to continue to grow, it does still expect the average to fall around 15% annually. I think that what's unfortunate for Harris New Orleans is this is a city-specific ban on smoking. It's so fucked up. And they're starting to see this. I read the same article that, that, that you're quoting here from, and this was not the case for the other casinos in Louisiana. Nope. Only within the city limits. Everybody and else in Louisiana is allowed to have smoke. It's fucked up. If... Harris, you know, Harris is already struggling. They're already going through bankruptcy. It sure seems like you're really taking them out at the knees by imposing this ban on the casino. I I respect that there are individuals who who don't like smoking, and I I get that, but the numbers don't lie. And and if, uh, you know, I, I, you know, and I like the fact that even the next month, it's it's even down now, and I love how they're trying to spin it. Well, the property doesn't expect the decline to continue to grow. Well, that's right, because at some point you hit zero. (laughs) <laughs> and it, 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 it can't go any further. Right. If if this was such a, um, but you know, you'll always have folks say, oh no 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 no. Once the you know once the the patrons get used to it, why Bullshit. then you know it, it turns right around. And my my argument is, well then why haven't all of the casinos gone? You're absolutely right, free? Tony. Okay, so let's let's pose this to the people who are anti-smoking, but everything else they love about Vegas. What if they only allowed you to have two drinks an hour, one drink an hour? Do you think your lack of intoxication might at some point make you or or let me even give you let me even give you a one up. Let's say once an hour they require you to step away for 5 to 10 minutes. Do you think at some point whether you've had lack of alcohol or you know just getting some fresh air, at some point you're like I don't get my ass kicked here. Uh, this isn't really as fun or I'm getting kind of tired or whatever. Do you not think those things come into play? That is exactly why the revenues go down. Exactly. You're in the moment. You're having a good time. You're drinking. You're have just, it's fun. Take a 10 minute break every hour. Take a 10 minute break. You don't think at 3 a.m. you're fucking tired? You don't think that's going to happen? You don't think if you're not allowed to have as much fun as you want to have, that at some point you're like, eh, it's, eh, whatever. It's, uh. Now, some people are going to say, well, if you're not as drunk, you're not getting, you're not losing as much. Well, it's a good thing. It doesn't mean that you're having less and or more fun. The point is, is you're preventing it. I, I'm just frustrated. I'm just frustrated, Tony. Listen, I 100% respect your your frustration. Look, my podcast that I do with my my co-host is a is is about gambling and smoking and drinking. Why do you think I love the casino as much as I do? Because it's one of the few places in this world where I can combine all three of my vices into one glorious event. Yes. I guess my problem with all of this, Mark, is we're getting to a point where we're starting to allow, you know, we're living in a world where we can't bully anyone. We can't even remotely say anything that could potentially be conceived as as politically incorrect and, and or bullying. And so we have to go above and beyond not doing anything to offend anyone. And 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 we're it's morphing into then that's starting to dictate how we can live our lives and the aspect that if you know what happened to you run your business the government stays oh, out of it yes. right the government wants you to be successful because that's where the tax revenue yes comes exactly from. you do what you do you make money just pay us for the for the right to be able to do it 
and so, I, and I, I guarantee, I know what your listeners at home are screaming at their radio right now, and that's saying, yes, well, unlike the drinking, the smoking impacts me because of secondhand smoke, to which my re- argument is, smoking is still a legal yeah. product. Yeah. If you want to ban the sale of tobacco, then then ban the sale of tobacco. But it's a it's a legal product, and you know what? You're going to have individuals that are at the bar or at the casino, and they're going to drink, and they're unfortunately going to make irresponsible decisions right. by getting into their vehicle and then driving home, and that impacts you just as much. Or not even driving. Even so. Not even driving. You all of a sudden have the freedom to say shit you shouldn't be saying, and you end up getting into fights. You get into, you're absolutely right. All of these things. It, it's one of the – unfortunately, what has happened and what I love about Vegas is Vegas currently and hopefully stays is a place where it's like – all of your vices, just just have fun, man. Everybody have fun. And the problem is, and I, I'm a former smoker. Just for full disclosure, I, I haven't I haven't had a cigarette or cigar in in well over a decade, probably 15 years. But I, the thing that I respect about going into a casino and having somebody smoke is that I know they're smoking there. I'm choosing to go in there and there are options in other places to go but i don't choose to go to those hell you and i when we went to to tunica uh, the mgm property there has an entire smoke free area and you're like yeah i don't really care i don't i mean it's an option thank you for making that an option but if i actually gave a shit that's that's where i would go i came to be in, in in this entire environment and i don't want what it is that i think and feel or believe or whatever the hell it is to affect what you're doing. I just I just think that's so fucking arrogant and pompous to be like, I think smoking is bad, so you shouldn't do it. Well, who the fuck are you to tell me what I should do? I think you're an asshole. You should die. <laughs> Well, thank you for allowing me to get that to get that off my chest. <laughs> We're, we we are in the, in the same realm, if not if not the same sentence. <laughs> I think you're up next. Sadly, playing into a stereotype, it was released that the lead singer of Five Finger Death Punch was arrested in April at his Vegas hotel for domestic battery by strangulation against his on again off again girlfriend. When police arrested him, they couldn't get the singer's side of the story because he was so intoxicated. Yeah, see, all right, so here's the problem that I've got. I, obviously, it's well known to people who have enjoyed this show, the, the entire War Machine line of, of, of jokes that we've made, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I got to be honest with you, it's not even fun anymore to make jokes about domestic abuse. It, it's... It's so fucking annoying how common it is. Like, it used to be one of those things where I'm like, well, I mean, if you're going to let a guy beat the shit out of you, you deserve to get the shit beat out of you. But now you're like, you look at all these pro athletes and shit that are doing this. Like, what the fuck is, how many of you idiots are doing this shit? And the fact, like, <laughs> Karen, once again, talking about the show at dinner, Karen and I were talking about what scares me the most about Ray, about Ray Rice is the guy punched his girlfriend in the face in public. What the fuck? fuck does he do in private tony yeah oh my goodness i, I agreed agreed you know I'll, I'll tell you i um i am for the listeners that aren't unaware i am a licensed attorney here in michigan and um i have done a great deal of criminal defense work and and the one thing that i i gotta say about domestic violence scenarios is while to be 100% clear, I do not ever condone someone laying a hand on someone else in any sort of negative manner. It's amazing. But you could totally do it in a positive manner. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's different. I mean, right. that's when it's fun. That's it's usually when pretty you pay someone for it. Right. <laughs> what's, what's fascinating about 
I, uh, you're. Did again, I derail you? I'm so you sorry. This out. <laughs> it's it is never a matter of now the Ray Rice scenario. That's 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 the extreme. Ninety eight percent of domestic violence situations, at least my experience. Let me let me make sure I'm being clear. My experience as a criminal offense attorney is twofold. Number one, I repre- represented just as many men as I represented women in domestic violence criminal charges. And I represented to a lesser extent a, a, a large demographic of um, gay and lesbian individuals in domestic violence. So this, you know, this runs across the board. Tony, I'm on the fucking edge of my seat, boy. <laughs> but but the, the biggest commonality that I found with these particular situations is that it always escalated where one person did something to someone like, let's just say, you know, grabbed him by the arm. And then the other person, when they were, you know, they would push the person's shoulder to, to so that they would unhand them, for lack of a better term, right? Right. And so then, so that amps it up to the next level. So now the person who just had their shoulder pushed to, to have their, you know, their hand taken off the person they were holding on to, then grabs onto the other person with both hands. And so now the person who's being held by, you know, the first aggressor is now you know putting their hand in the face of the other person so what's happening is it's it's amping up one half step oh. by one person to another half step by the other person until every single time the person who got arrested and wound up being my client was the person who did not call 911 first oh. so it, but but it's what's amazing is I've what I've gone to trial and I don't know if I should be proud of this or not, but I mm-hmm. believe that every defendant has the right to their day in court and they have the right to their, you know, a trial by their peers. And so if that's what they want, I will represent their their interests fully in, in the legal system. I've never lost a domestic violence case. I've always had the jury come back in favor of my criminal offense client because you 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 put the you put the person on the stand and you say, well, isn't it true my client did X and they say, oh, of course he did X. And I say, but isn't it true that, that you did Y? Well, it is true. And I'll say, but in fairness, my client then did Z, correct? Uh-huh. But then you followed it up with, you know, and, and, and so what you're doing is you're explaining to the jury how, yeah, what actually again, happened. these little half steps of exactly of what happened. And at the end of the day, the jury's at least in, in my particular cases, now don't get me wrong, Mark, where my clients are, you know, in the wrong, I tell them, we're going to get you the best deal possible. And then you're just going to plead to this because right. you don't want to go to trial on this. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, it, so anyway, so, uh, you know, a scenario like this, I, I don't know. First of all, I get part of the reason you're reporting on it because it's the lead singer from the five finger death punch, like war machine. It's almost like you're building it in. Like, like it should right. be expected that, right. that that's going to be behavior of someone like that. But it would have been fascinating to find out what exact, what was she doing to him right. that caused him to feel like he needed to put his hand somewhere around her neck area to try to push him off from her? Yeah. <laughs> is that a good criminal defense line or what? <laughs> <laughs> that is fascinating. That is fascinating. But the one, this is once again why I love law because it, it, it's, you're absolutely right. There's two sides to every fucking story. And it's always the, the one that gets the most press is the one like, well, the guy's clearly guilty. This is clearly like you don't fucking know what happened. You have no idea what happened. But the one thing that, once again, discussing at dinner, I swear that's going to be the title of the fucking show. But, uh, <laughs> discussing at dinner is, is you have to think 
when you're this monstrous, you know, athlete, you have to be so aware of like going, I, I, especially a football player or a boxer or something like that, or a fucking UFC guy, like going, I almost choke people out to the point where they fucking pass out, you know, or I beat people to a fucking bloody pulp or, you know, break bones or do shit like that. Like going, you have to be aware of like going, you, you, you got to keep your temper in check because <laughs> I understand somebody could, could really kind of get you fired up to the point where, you know, you, you want to, you want to shut them down. But, um, you know, there's a difference between, you know, a, 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 a common man hitting another human being and a physical specimen like yourself hitting and crushing the <laughs> the cartilage and or bones of of, 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 a, of a mortal being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't. Well, and, and frankly, my wife hits me. <laughs> She's strong. I will not, yeah. I, I can I can support that and I will testify against it if I need to. <laughs> All right, Jesus Christ, we gotta end this. <laughs> Bally's Grand Bazaar recently opened its first semi-cool offering in Fuel Bar, a flar a flar <laughs> a flare a flare bar complete with beer pong, air hockey, and other social gaming, not gambling related. Spirit Airlines is adding daily nonstop flights from Vegas to New Orleans starting November 13th with fares starting at $83. I'll always report direct flights because living in Memphis, I only have fucking one. Thankfully, thankfully, Allegiant finally came here because before that, torture, torture, Tony. You know, one of the things that my wife observed about the Memphis airport was... That it sucks? Well, well, okay, in fairness... I think our the way we spun it was there's they seem to be doing a lot of reconstruction work to the overall I mean there are signs everywhere it saying, is true yes that is true it's like they're trying to improve it just not and, doing well but what's but what gives because um Karen made mention that the the they've cut like 70% of the flights that come into the Memphis airport why is that 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 floors me that you guys don't have a greater demand for flights in and out of your city. I'm going to guess it's because of the Great Recession and they're now trying to figure out... It, it's almost like they scrapped the model and they're trying to figure it out again because they are expanding now. Like I said, Allegiant just came to Memphis not even a year ago. So they're in Southwest uh, took over two years ago. So my belief is... The companies that were in here, they weren't operating proper business models, so they either folded or were purchased, and they allowed the Great Recession to run itself out, and now they're going, all right, so let's figure this out. How's it work? Well, that that's cool. I'm excited to, to have other alternatives or, or other airlines to be able to get down and, and visit my now second favorite city in right? the country. Right, right. We had so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to coming attractions. Attractions is the portion of the show where we share with you acts and artists outside of the usual residencies that will be performing in Vegas in the future. Morris Day and The Time are performing at the Golden Gate Friday, October 16th. Golden Nugget, Golden Nugget. I'm sorry, where'd I say? Golden Gate. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. People show up. Where the fuck? I know, right? Where's Morris Day? Come on, Morris Day. You're not on time. Hey, hey, hey. Don't. I love that. That was brilliant. You're not on time. I have to leave it in now, so let's just redo it. Go, go. Where are they going to be? They're going to be at the Golden Ga Golden Nugget. <laughs> Tony 
said it twice on the show. <laughs> Friday, October 16th. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets start at $75. <laughs> little, 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 little River Band are performing at the Golden Nugget Friday, October 23rd. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets start at $54. Ohio players are performing at the Golden Nugget Friday, October 30th. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets start at $32. And Shinedown and Breaking Benjamin are performing at the Joiner Hard Rock Thursday, October 22nd. Show starts at 7 p.m. Tickets start at $40. Don't forget, you can find links to purchase tickets to these and all the artists we report on our coming attractions calendar on the blog. Let's go to Playing Vegas. Playing Vegas is the portion of the show where we share with you touring acts and artists performing next week in Las Vegas. Monday, the drive-in movie doubleheader at Cosmopolitan. Dive-in, dive dive-in movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, because it's a pool. Right. Uh, <laughs> if you drive into the pool, I promise you police will be involved. <laughs> All right. So Monday at the dive-in movie pool doubleheader. Oh, fuck. Jesus. No, it's staying. It doesn't matter. Keep going. <laughs> it's too good. It, their boulevard pool is, uh, play, ironically enough, <laughs> clueless. <laughs> and breakfast at Tiffany's. Show starts at 7 p.m. Admission is free to guests staying at the property. $5 for everyone else. Tuesday, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic are performing at the Brooklyn Bowl at the Link in... They're at Link in Promenade. You know where I'm sitting, going with this. Show starts at 9 p.m. Tickets start at 30 bucks. Thursday, this week's family movie night at Container Park is Indiana Jones in the kingdom of the skull fuck yeah, show yeah skip it seen, you're good have you seen that movie oh it's That's, terrible oh it's oh one of the worst movies there was one of the best south parks ever where they mock movies <laughs> about how they were just absolutely like how that movie ruined the entire franchise and it is just brilliant that, and yeah oof. And this is it. So, at any rate, if you want to see literally the worst Indiana Jones movie ever, it's Kingdom of the uh, uh, Crystal Skull. It starts at 7.30 p.m., and admission is appropriately priced at $0. <laughs> they should pay you to come see Oh, my it. God, absolutely. <laughs> Modest Mouse is performing at Brooklyn Bowl in the Link Promenade. Show starts at 9 p.m. Tickets start at $55. Friday, Cold Chamber and Fear Factory are performing at Brooklyn Bowl in the Link Promenade. Show starts at 6.30 Tickets start at 20 bucks. And Saturday, Peter Frampton is performing at the Joint at the Hard Rock. Shows start at 7 p.m. Uh, tickets start at $50. All right, so this is about the time where we would do a river, but Tony and I had so much fun. You don't deserve one. You don't deserve one. So we're going to hold on to it, and that's, that's going to be it for episode 177. Take us out. All right, well, uh, thank you very much for listening and downloading. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to check out any of the stories on today's show, you can do so on the blog at 360vegaspodcast.com. Support the show via PayPal donations, buying stuff from our merchandise store, zazzle.com slash 360vegas, or vegas.com and help others find the show by reviewing us on iTunes. If you'd like to send some feedback, written or audio, you can do so at 360vegaspodcast at gmail.com. I feel you've properly represented the Tony that I have affectionately called my Tony. Not that you aren't yourself on your own show, Vice Lounge Online, but I, I, I don't know. I feel, uh, I, I, I know that guy, but I, I, I like my Tony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, I'll tell you, 
one of the reasons why we um, are are mostly a G to PG rated um, podcast is is primarily because. We know that we've got friends who will listen to it in the in their car on on Monday morning, and a lot of times it's when they're taking their their children to to school and whatnot. Right, and so right. we try to be respectful. You like you know how you and Brian set up your show. You guys created the show mostly to make each other laugh, and it just happened to revolve around things you know Las Vegas. Yeah. Jason and I are the same way. We you know we love cigars. We love. Um, cocktails we love to gamble and so we decided well, let's just do a show for us and our friends that that are always fascinated about what sort of beer we've recently tried or what sort of cigar we may have recently smoked and so you know we know that they've got kids and so we say you know what by and large we will always try to be um you know pg-13 at the at the at the at the raunchiest but it's fun. I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to come back and, and redeem myself because <laughs> that uh, your last show was um, it was it was it was different. It was fun. It was a good time. I, I certainly hope that your listeners. I, I, I kind of feel bad actually. You've given them now two new content shows, if you will, <laughs> and where I'm unfortunately the the co-host. So you're, you are not. They are not unfortunate to have you as my co-host, sir. There's a reason you're in the inner circle, Tony. Well, thank you, my man. I, I appreciate it a lot. It's a lot of fun, and I appreciate you letting me come back. And uh, and and listen, I've got some 360 legal lounges coming for those folks that do enjoy the um, the 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 legal gaming side. They're good. There's some stuff out there. I know you, Mark, and I. Uh, we did one together. I know that I've sent you a few more. I've got a couple more that I've already recorded. They're Plus, good. I've got some some topics coming your way, specifically topics that have been addressed on this show where you've said, "Here's what I don't understand." I don't get that, and, and that's you know the hamster on the wheel. Stop token long enough to be like, wait, I think we can turn that into a 360 <laughs> Vegas. So I've got some, I've got some fun. Hopefully, your listeners will think fun stuff coming their way. I don't give a fuck. I enjoy them. So, <laughs> well then, listen. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you a, a nice little. I'll give you a teaser. All right. I'll give you a teaser. The thing about um, gambling is that, believe it or not, there's a bit of an overlap with with First Amendment free speech. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how that has plays into the lottery and then how it turned into factoring towards actual casino gaming. Mm-hmm. And so, I know what yeah, he's yeah, 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 man, it, it's coming. It's, it's coming. I've already listened to it. I know what he's talking about. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But uh, while, while you're sitting there from six, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. I was going to try and make some kind of a dick joke, but fuck it. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Or I guess you've already enjoyed if you've gotten to this point in the show. Fuck it. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. Yep.